Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Mark Cuban says sales cures all. And so one of the first inputs that I pay attention to is how fast am I selling? What's in my sales pipeline? Like what's coming down the road? Today on episode 562 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder and CEO of business marketing engine, Gabe Arnold. I'm going to ask Gabe how he feels confident in selling before figuring out how to deliver and much more. You can find out more about Gabe along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Gabe Arnold. Gabe is the founder and CEO of Business Marketing Engine. Gabe is known as a serial problem solver. With 22 years of experience in professional writing, computer technology, and marketing management, it's a title that fits him well. He's helped over a 1,000 young startups grow into established enterprises. He has dedicated his life to finding ways to help teams of all sizes create effective results-based organizational models. Gabe created his first million-dollar product, Copywriter Today, in 2014, and has continued to scale and grow from there. Behind these successes lies a person who values personal relationships and living life to the fullest. He strives to create an environment of trust and open communication with his team and clients. Gabe believes that the people who make a lasting positive effect in this world are those who choose kindness, love, and respect above all else. Gabe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, David. I'm glad to be here. Gabe, on Smashing the Plateau, we help consultants and coaches generate greater success in their business. And many of these high-achieving and super-talented professionals have spent more than 20 years of their career as employees before they start their consulting or coaching business. In your experience, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges they need to overcome in order to start achieving the kind of business success that they envision and yearn to achieve? I think there's uh, probably a lot of things. Honestly, being an entrepreneur is not a single skill set by any means. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, if it was one thing, <laughs> then I would just say one thing, and we could wrap it up. But uh, I think the biggest thing to pay attention to is that you get a much more rapid rate of feedback when you're an entrepreneur and you're dealing directly with with clients when you're building up a business than you do when you're in a an employee situation, because I think there's many reasons for that, um, and I'll give some like specific examples of what I mean. When we're just a team member, we're, we're, when we're an employee somewhere, we get shielded from a lot of things intentionally. So, if you're, you know, depending on what role you were in, you may not have been in sales, or you may not have been in the accounting department, or you may not have been in HR, or you may not have been a project manager. Like whatever role you were in, ideally, hopefully, you get to work in some good companies over the years. You weren't exposed to a position where you had to wear a lot of hats and you had direct rapid fire, you know, feedback. And that shifts as soon as you become a consultant, you know, or as soon as you step into being more entrepreneurial, because you now are customer facing for a lot of things, if not everything, you're also in charge of, you know, billing and getting paid. And if, as you grow, and if you choose to scale and grow a team, then you become a manager and all these things get 
you know, get thrown, thrown your way that are much different. And also, I think one of the things with being an employee is in most cases, even in a startup, there's layers. And so things move a little bit slower. Like you won't, if a client has an issue with something and you're not directly interacting with that client, you may not hear about it immediately, or it may get, you may only get a piece of the feedback. So it's maybe not as harsh or not as fast. Whereas when you step out on your own, you get that feedback immediately and you're dealing with a lot of things at once. And so I think it's important to realize that you're going to get a lot more input, whether you like it or not, than you may be used to. And it's important to figure out how to prioritize what matters the most. That's a big piece of it is like, what in what inputs do you need to listen to more than others? And then the other piece for me that's been a long journey that I continue to learn is like learning some more emotional intelligence and also learning to not be reactive to the things that I hear because you know, being reactive doesn't serve us well in most cases. And so that's, that would be some of my initial thoughts around, around Mm. that question. Yeah. I love the one about what inputs to listen to, because Mm -hmm. it's true as an entrepreneur, you get way more inputs than you may wish for. I mean, certain, some inputs you, you want, because as you said, when you become an entrepreneur for the first time, there are a lot of skill sets that you probably haven't had to deploy Mm-hmm. And you may not have either the experience or the knowledge. Uh, so getting inputs that will help you, that's really important. Yet on the other hand, you're going to get an awful lot of inputs that you really don't need to listen to. How do you, like like in your experience doing this, how have you filtered what's important to take in and, and pay attention to and what to just discount or disregard? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think for me, a few, a few things come to mind there. One is I read this years ago and I'll never forget it. I, I talked to my team and clients about it a lot, but Mark Cuban says sales cures all. And so one of the first inputs that I pay attention to is how fast am I selling? Like what's in my sales pipeline? Like what's coming down the road? Because as an employee, you can sit there and for a season, it won't last. You can coast or not do something or not worry about incoming revenue and you can still get paid at some level. Or it's just not your role to be in sales. As an entrepreneur or a consultant, you know, as you're stepping out on your own, sales is the number one thing. You're not going to pay your bills and you're not going to grow your company if you don't have sales. So I pay close attention to what is getting me results So in sales. Is it, am I getting referrals? Am I speaking? Am I, you know, posting something on social media, you know, making an offer? Am I doing cold calls or email, like what inputs are giving me the result, like the output that I want on sales, because that's, that's problem number one to solve. Mm -hmm. And then the second piece, and this is kind of an oversimplification, but it's also like business is simple in some cases too, is if I can solve sales, then, you know, like Mark even says, sales cures all because now you, now you can do something. Then I just have to solve delivery. So if I'm selling a product or a service or consulting hours, then I just need a simple structure where I can really serve my clients and deliver great value to them and solve their problems. And those are, in the simplest terms, those are the two things that I pay attention to. Am I selling and am I delivering a great experience to my clients? And if I am, then everything else is solvable. It may not be easy. It may not even be simple, but it's at least solvable. And so those are the areas that I focus the most where I... I think just as important as the focus is what to ignore. And so I would strongly encourage everybody listening to ignore any advice 
from somebody who has not done exactly what you're doing and is more successful at it than you are. Because well-intentioned friends and family members and past colleagues and peers will have an input and advice for you. And unless they've sold more than you or built a bigger business than you personally, then often their advice is irrelevant at best. And there's also plenty of people that will just be critics and they're probably internally upset that you're stepping out to do something new and, and choosing a new path to success. And so they may drag you down or, you know, say things that are useless, but I'm, I'm very cautious of who I take advice from. And I, I make sure and, and ask myself, are they where I want to be in a couple of years or three to five years? And if they're not, you know, then I just, I thank them for their advice and set it aside and ignore it and move forward. So that would be my thoughts there. <laughs> yeah. So have you had cases where you've had well-meaning people that are close to you offer advice where you've had to respond and and say something, but then you just ignored their advice? Yeah, I've had I've had many, many people over the years tell me that I do sales the wrong way. <laughs> and it's probably because I'm pretty direct. Like if I if I want a prospect, I'll pick up the phone and call or I'll email or I'll just get straight to the point and say, hey, here's the solution we offer. Is you know, is this something you need? And I've had many people tell me, oh, that's not the way it's done, or that's too direct, or that's too salesy, or you hear all these things. And virtually none of those people have sold as many deals as I have, or as much as I have. And even in the moment when they were giving advice, it was like, okay, so what do you do? Like, what's effective on your front? And that's that's the other way that I filter advice and like input or what people are telling me to do. I'll say, I'll think about it or ask and say, well, has this been effective for you? Can you show me the results? Because I'm always looking for an effective path. And if they can't, you know, like I had somebody tell me, oh, you know, you should, you should only, you know, reach out via social media first, you know, in order to gain a relationship with somebody, which you can get relationships that way, but they were making it kind of like the, the totalitarian, you know, way to do it. And they, you know, when I pressed them, they said, no, I just think this is a better way. I haven't really experienced much myself or done this much myself. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks for sharing. And then I just set it aside because it's if somebody can't prove results on something and show me that it's effective, then I, I pretty quickly discount it. And that's a more kind of soft, amicable, you know, conversation. But sometimes people will tell you things, you know, very passionately that they have no idea what they're talking about. And there are times where I've had to make the choice to just limit or completely eliminate time with people that are way too critical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I want to pick up on something else you mentioned about selling first, worrying about selling first mm -hmm. and delivering second, because this is a, an issue that I have seen time and again with consultants, which is especially those that have spent many years first as an employee. They're very concerned about how they're going to deliver the results to the client. And unless they have developed their system or their framework or their program or, or their, their offering to the point where they feel close to 100% satisfied that it's going to do exactly what the client wants, they're reluctant to try to sell it. Yeah, it's, that's super common. Yeah, anybody listening that feels that way, and I know you've worked with a bunch of these folks, David, like that's a really normal feeling. So one, I would say, don't, don't push that down or feel embarrassed or like, don't push away that feeling that you're, you feel like you need to have it figured out first. Cause that's, that's normal. And like, 
acknowledge that first because that's it comes from a good intention i think and i think it is from people wanting to operate from a place of integrity which is something i 100 percent agree with with that being said there are many ways that you can live and walk in integrity and really show up for your clients without having everything figured out on day one and so as an example like probably similar kind of situation that a lot of folks that are starting out or becoming a consultant or find themselves in is I've done hundreds of podcast episodes for my own podcast and launched a podcast, you know, um, called today's business leaders, which is how David and I met. And just because I've done hundreds of episodes didn't necessarily mean that I knew how to like deliver or teach somebody how to do a podcast or like start their own show or anything like that. But what I did is, I decided to step out and offer a new service and help people launch a podcast. And I said in the beginning, I said, for the first group that goes through this, I think it was like 10 people. I said, here's the cost. And I said, if for any reason you're not 100% satisfied within, I think it was six weeks, then just let me know and I'll give you all your money back. And I did that for a couple of reasons. One is because I'd never taught other people how to launch a show. I'd done it before. But teaching somebody a process and a framework, like you mentioned, David, is very different than just doing it yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like we we don't doing and teaching are related, but they're not the same thing. And as consultants, that's kind of what we're doing. Like we have a lot of experience. We know what we did in the past, but we may not know the best way to deliver it or teach it, or we may not have the 10 step process down yet. And in some cases, there are some projects like there's not a fixed, you know, path necessarily. But what I did is I just said, if for any reason you're not happy within, I think it was six weeks, like I set a timeline, I said, let me know and I'll give you all your money back. And I did that because that put me in a very safe place to just focus on delivering. And I knew that if I couldn't deliver for some reason, then I would just give the money back. And fortunately, I I do that over and over. I've done that. I've used that approach many times. And I've, I think, honestly, in probably hundreds of sales on that front, I've probably given people their money back two or three times. So like a couple percentage points where honestly, the folks that I have given money back to um, didn't do the work. And of course, things didn't work then. But when it, <laughs> when it was a brand new program, you know, I wanted to walk in integrity and be like, you know what, I've never delivered it this way. So I'm going to make you a guarantee that that I'll stand behind. And then what I do in that case is I hold that money in my account and I don't use it until I pass the refund date, until I pass the time where they can back out because I don't want to think that's my money until I've really delivered. And so using that approach not only helps me show up with integrity for my client, but it actually puts a really healthy amount of positive pressure and accountability on me to go, okay, now I got paid, which means that people are actually interested in solving this problem. And so I validated that this is a service or a product or something that they need or, or consulting. And now I can just get to work and delivering a great experience and showing up wholeheartedly and working hard for them and getting their feedback along the way. And so that approach of pre-selling things before I know exactly how to do them has been huge because it just puts me in a safe place. And my you know clients who end up buying know that if they're not happy, they they can make that determination within a fair you know window of time and they can get all their money back. So it's it provides safety, but it also just puts me in a position where I'm actually working on something that somebody's willing to pay for. Because that's the other thing that can come up is sometimes folks will say, well, I'll just offer it for free or I'll see if people are interested. There's no comparison to working with a group of free people on something and a group of paid people on something. It's just night and day results and and like the attitude of the you know the folks that show up is different when they pay. So 
that's typically the approach I take there. Mm. Have you ever offered something for free because you were unsure about the process? You were you were creating a pilot or whatever? Very infrequently. I've done it a couple times, but it's been quite a few years since I did that. And the reason that I moved away from that very quickly is because I sincerely believe that I'm not serving my prospects, my audience, my clients, whatever whatever label we want to use in the situation. I believe I'm not serving them if I don't charge them. And the reason is, I think many people listening, and I'm sure you can probably relate to this, David, is if you go and download a free resource or you sign up for a free class on something, the odds of you showing up to that are significantly lower. You may never log in. You may never use the resource. If you pay 50 bucks or 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks, the number really doesn't matter. All of a sudden that you've transferred your energy and focus into it in the form of money, and you're much more likely to show up and get some value out of it. And so I believe that if, in most cases, if I don't charge for what I do, then I'm actually hurting my audience. I'm hurting my clients. Yeah, I've seen that happen many, many times. Yeah, I, I believe there really was a season in time in marketing. And also, I believe there is a season in time for people potentially when they're starting out where free is okay. But I believe that just with the busyness and noise of the world we live in, that in most cases, you, you may be creating a disservice when you're putting out a free program or, you know, something like that, because you, you may just be taking up space and not creating, you know, a real focused kind of program or area or time slot for somebody to show up and learn and be present. And so I'm fairly cautious of that now. Mm -hmm. You know, along the same lines, how do you figure out with the new offering? Again, if you're, if you haven't done it before, you're unsure how it's going to work, but you believe that your target audience needs it and wants it, and you are able to sell something, how do you figure out your initial pricing? That varies a little bit, but that's a good question. Like One of the things that I always factor in is I try to say, okay, what's the effective hourly client-facing rate that I need to have in order to achieve my financial goals? Because my grandfather told me this years ago, he said, you know, if you don't charge enough, you won't be in business to help people next year. And then you're you're not doing them any service, you're hurting them. And so it kind of relates similarly to what we we're saying a minute ago, but it's our responsibility to charge enough so that we can continue to provide great service to our clients. So with that as the frame, then I'll go, okay, if I want to make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars just for an easy number my first year, you know, as a consultant, then how many hours do I will I be able to be client facing in my work? Because in consulting and in any business, as much as we would love to have all 40 hours, you know, billable, you know, and client facing, that may not may not be the case. So for kind of simple numbers, if I said, okay, out of you know, 2080 hours is full time, you know, full time every year, right? So what if I said, okay, just being conservative, 1,200 hours our actual client facing billable time, then, you know, dividing a hundred thousand by 1200 means that I need to charge at least $83 an hour. So that's, I'll start to do some calculations like that. And whenever, and then, you know, the, what you need to make every year, you obviously need to talk to CPA and, you know, you need other, you need other input there, but for easy numbers, just figuring out what you need to make, then you can say, okay, I need to be charging at least this, at least this much an hour to get there. With that in hand, and we'll make it an easier number, let's just say, let's say it's $200 an hour that you should be charging as a consultant. And David, you probably know better what the minimums are in that space. But if I'm going to spend, you know, eight hours teaching somebody something, you know, then I need to, 
you know, I need to charge $1,600 for it. So that's a real kind of quick and dirty example of how I start to think about pricing. When I'm doing group things, though, I will say, okay, at minimum, I need to get this many people to, you know, show sign up at this rate so that I effectively get that hourly rate. I'm not if I have 10 people sign up, I don't need to make 200 an hour per person. It's economy of scale that works for everybody. I need to make $200 an hour total. So if I have, you know, X number of people show up, you know, sign up that can get me to that rate, that's also a good way to get there. Yeah. No, it's a really, really good and helpful analysis that um, I think it makes it, the way you've described it, makes it simple to understand and, and actionable. Cool. Gabe, what's the primary problem that you solve for your ideal clients? One of the biggest things that we do, and we do this on a lot of different fronts, but we always take a look and say, okay, where do you want to be a year from today? And, you know, what's what's that is going to take to get there? So, you know, my company, Business Marketing Engine, has content marketing services. We have, you know, search engine optimization, paid traffic. We build software. We build websites. You know, we have a team of 60 folks here now, and we're a fully remote team. And so the first thing that we do is, when we meet with a client and say, okay, where are your challenges and frustrations right now? Where do you really feel stuck? And where are your fears coming from? Because our fears are, in my experience, really legitimate things we need to pay attention to. And so we uncover those and say, okay, you know, if you need to get, if you're flat sales wise, you need to get more clients, then what marketing is going to solve that? Or if internally, like it's time to an upgrade a website. So you have a tool that really serves you in the business and serves, you know, clients and prospects outwardly facing, you know, what does that look like? And so we sit down and come up with a full one-year plan that says, okay, we're starting here. Here's the benchmark. And this is where we are today. And what's it going to take to achieve that that next level? And the other thing that we do through that process, the problem that we help our clients solve is we determine what's the one driver that if we solve that, everything else is going to get easier. And for some clients, that's like, we need registration to events. Like, because that's where we sell or that's where we serve people. For some clients, it's like we just need qualified leads of people that need consulting services, you know, and, and for other clients, they need help, you know, getting on stage and speaking or launching a podcast. So our approach is very customized and we sit down and say, okay, what what do you want your business and life to look like a year from today? And what are the steps that's going to take to get there? And then we ultimately, you know, boil that down to one focus area that we say, hey, if if this is the primary focus, then everything else kind of can fall in line behind that. And that way, you know, you can grow and scale your business so that you have the freedom of time and the freedom of money that, you know, that you started, you know, that you wanted in the beginning when you started your business. Yeah, it's a great model. What's your vision for your own business? I have really, really big goals for my business. So by the time I'm 65 and 27 years, we will be doing a billion dollars a year and we will be a full service agency you know, and continue to do all the digital stuff that we do, but we also do a lot of traditional media now. And we'll probably continue to build out our consulting end too, because I, I do a lot of that personally and a couple of our team members do, but that's a part where we really enjoy helping. So this year we're actually putting together an internal like certification and training program so that more of our team members can be strategic, you know, coaches and consultants for our clients. But we intend to just really continue to grow this and, you know, serve more business owners and continue to grow things. So I have have some pretty big goals. (laughs) Sounds great. Well, good luck with everything. It's been great speaking to you today and sharing your experiences 
and your vision about entrepreneurship, consulting, marketing, sales, um, et cetera, and all the things that it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur. Gabe, if anybody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? Probably the best place to go is just to go to businessmarketingengine.com. We feature all of our different products and services there, and you can fill out a contact form and get a hold of us there. There's lots of great resources there. And also, you can find me anywhere on social media. Just look up Gabe Arnold on Facebook or LinkedIn. Those are those are the two major ones that I use the most. Sounds great. Gabe, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest has been the founder and CEO of Business Marketing Engine, Gabe Arnold. Thank you again, Gabe, for joining us. Thank you so much, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, You'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today we learned how you can sell first, then worry about delivery, and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.